0: For our first message today, we have a split sermon from Mr. Ken Barton entitled, Be Angry and Do Not Sin, one of the most difficult tasks that we can possibly have. Mr. Barton. I was trying to think of a humorous thing to come up with before this, but then... I, I couldn't think of anything, but I, you know, I've been tempted to get one of those foam bricks, you know. But somehow, I'll guarantee you know that I could throw at the TV or whatever, and and somebody would replace that with a real brick, <laughs> or I'd have had one in anyway. It I didn't want <clears throat> to destroy something like that. <clears throat> so this is what. The word of God tells us in King James Version Psalm 4.4 4, or in the New King James Version Psalm 4.4 4, and in the both New King James and King James in Ephesians 4.26. I've always remembered it as be angry and sin not. There are actually two verses, th- th- those two verses that can have that this wording. In <clears throat> Psalm the New King James Version is be angry and do not sin. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Selah. And then chapter, or verse 5 says, Other offer sacrifices in the right spirit and trust the Lord. I know that's one of the things that, that God really pays attention to is our spirit. You know, we can give things if we're in the wrong spirit. It doesn't make any difference. You know, it's a sounding brass. It doesn't have love. In Psalm 4.4, 4, in the King James Version, it says, Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. The word David Use that is translated angry or awe is the Hebrew word ragaz. If I haven't got it right, that's as close as I can get it. That's the Hebrew word H7264. And according to Strong's, it can mean anything from quiver, to be afraid, stand in awe, or it can mean rage, or to be wroth, to be angry. Since David is venting here about the people that have been giving him trouble, I believe he's angry. But he seems to be telling himself to settle down, think about it overnight. And this is what the New Living Translation has it as. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Think about it overnight and remain silent. Offer sacrifices in the right spirit and trust the Lord. I kind of like this translation. Settle yourself. Hold your tongue. Not my greatest strength. And trust in God. And you know this is where Galatians 5.22 comes in, right? Continuing in the New Living Translation, 5.22 and 23 but the holy spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control there is no law against these things i really love this passage because we really always need these fruits in our lives that way whenever i'm in god's presence whether i'm praying making offerings, asking forgiveness. Whenever I always want to be able to call on God and like David, know that he is there taking care of me. That's why also I always want my attitude to be humble. In Ephesians, we have a different conversation going on. Here Paul is talking about how we should deal with things that upset us because, let's face it, some things upset us. And sometimes we need to be upset. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil." So they're a lot like the first verses, but the addressing in the new living translation of 46 and 4:26 uh, and 27, "Don't s- sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Of course, if I get mad at night, i too late. Uh, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. We don't want that. The adjective here, angry, is from G3709. A Greek word, orgizo, orgizo meaning to provoke or enrage. That is, also to become exasperated, Be angry. <clears throat> This passage is where my focus is today because I am very upset with the present conditions in our world, and specifically in these United States. I've been thinking about our nation and the state things are in these days. They're horrendous, and since I'm giving, <clears throat> if you want to look this up, horrendous in the Cambridge Dictionary is an adjective meaning so bad as to be shocking and extremely unpleasant. Pretty apropos, in my opinion, considering you know you have places like San Francisco, California. My, my family, you know, we used to live there when we were kids. Uh, we lived in, actually in San Francisco for a year. It's a beautiful place. <clears throat> Not anymore. There are people walking around completely unclothed, defecating in the streets. They just whenever, wherever. At one time, not too many years ago, this would be a shocking, a shock scene in a horror film, where you know where you just knew that everything was was gone. But now it's fact. They have stopped enforcing these kinds of laws. The United States for a long time was a bright and shining light to the world. Now in many areas it's a cesspool of filth, degradation, and evil. Even as I speak, babies still in the womb are being murdered at a terrible rate. Getting less, hopefully it'll... But anyway, riots have been going on in Minneapolis since May 25, 2020. In Portland, Oregon, since last June. And there are other areas of unrest as well. There are people who are working as hard as they can to delete gender from our language. To make it illegal to even use those distinctions. It's like something is trying hard, as hard as it can, to destroy every aspect in our nation and in this world that has any good in it that honors God or seeks to do his will. They want to take it from our civilization, not just here, worldwide. I want to see our nation turn around and stop descending into madness. I'm angry that everything seems to be disintegrating, and that these evils are being forced upon us. But I do not want to sin. I do not want to go off on a cursing rant about what's happening or be, or, or who might be the cause of it all, because that doesn't do any good. Cuss people out that, that <clears throat> I don't know. They don't know me. There's no real relationship there, right? But I'm calling. Curses down on somebody. I'm belittling their lives. And that is going to put me in danger. According to scripture. Matthew 5.22 says. But I say unto you. That whosoever is angry with his brother. Without a cause. Shall be in danger of the judgment. Whosoever shall say to his brother. Raka. Shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say. Thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire, because when we say things like that, we are completely discounting the value of their lives. We are committing murder in our hearts, according to God. So I don't want to do that. <clears throat> I do, however, it says it, without without a cause. There are definitely things that are going on that we should be upset with, and we have a reason to be upset with them. Our nation's being destroyed, and our relationship with God is being sabotaged by all the garbage we're being exposed to, sometimes in ways we might not even realize. For instance, look how hateful our society as a general rule has become. We see examples of that all the time. People who have no regard whatsoever for other people's lives or other people's way of life. And it's contagious. We keep seeing examples of that and that becomes common in our thinking and that becomes what the way it ought to be so, you know, it affects us. We we start being ready to blame everybody for whatever and to be hateful in it. Again, I don't know most of these people. A couple of them I've had the opportunity to shake their hands, but other than that, you know, they don't know me from Adams Off-Ox. Reminds me a lot, but what is going on it seems, again, that we're being destroyed. Reminds me a lot of Balaam and what he caused to happen to the Israelites. And that's, I'm not going to read all of Numbers 22 through 25. So, But you guys remember Balaam, right? He was a money-hungry prophet hired by Balak, king of the Moabites, To curse the Israelites. God told him not to go. But all Balaam could see was the money. So he kept asking. So God told him to go ahead and continue on his journey. However, during his trip, the angel of the Lord. That's Jesus for all of you. That hadn't been necessarily paying attention. He's standing in the way with a drawn sword. If it had not been for Balaam's donkey, Balaam would no longer be here. Or, well, he isn't anyway. But Balaam would have made the trip. That would have been the end of it. Balaam was actually a real prophet. Although he was evil in his heart, his focus was not on God, was on the money. So instead of cursing them, and he told Balak this before he went up there. He says, I can only say what God gives me to say. So he blessed the Israelites, not once, but four times. The last time Balak was so mad, he didn't even pay, he just left. But here's the thing, and I read this in in Josephus' Antiquities of the Jews. It's it's really good on this. Book 4, chapter 6, it starts, I think, at paragraph 6. And this is not exactly an exact quote. Balaam studied on it. And then he went to Balak and told him how to get God to punish the Israelites. Get them to turn away from God. Seduce them with your prettiest, sexiest women. Get them to participate in your worship services to Baal. Get them to eat unclean foods and meats that have been sacrificed to idols. Basically, he told Balak that God wouldn't turn away from the Israelites. But, if the Israelites turned away from God, he would bring judgment upon them. He even told them that God's punishment wouldn't last. It would be temporary. That when they repented and turned back, God would forgive them. And bless them again. Balaam also warned them that whoever caused these things to come upon Israel, uh, Israelites, would be sorely punished. And this will show you he was a prophet because he was talking about himself. As long, uh, as well as with the Moabites. Uh, Joshua 13 tells about Balaam being slain by the Israelites. So back to the present. We are witnessing the horrible decline of our nation. In fact, the entire world is sinking into depth of depravity. I see this as a result of us as a nation doing exactly what Israel did. And I'm wondering, what can we do? What can I do? I believe the answer is that first off, I must humble myself and pray Seek God's face and repent of my wickedness. There are those who would ask, why should they repent? Because they haven't done anything wrong. I actually had someone ask me that. I said, rather than tell him, you know, for all have sinned and come. Anyone who says he hasn't sinned has not truth in him. I just waited a while and thought about it. And I asked him, I said, are you using your measure or God's measure?" the hell you're doing. But anyway, <clears throat> it's the other people that are doing wrong. It's those guys I'm yelling at on the TV that I want to throw a brick at. <clears throat> but that's what God tells me to do, isn't it? Humble myself. And pray. Isn't this what also Daniel did? When he, when he started praying for Israel, for their, uh, be able to return, and for God's judgment to end. Daniel didn't say, I'm not like these people, but I want you to, I want you to forgive them. No, Daniel said, forgive me, for I have sinned. He knew that revival was desperately needed and he wanted it to start with him. I want it to start with me. We are part of this world, aren't we? This cesspool. So if we want the crud cleaned off of us, we've got to pray for ourselves. How many of you have heard the hymn, Lord, send a revival and let it begin in me? I don't want to be the one with a beam in my eye that Jesus was referencing, pointing out everybody else's fault, and I can't even see because of this big, huge sin that I'm carrying around. I truly desire to be one who's counted worthy when our Lord returns. The best and only way to do that is for me to seek the Lord in his righteousness, to get right in his sight. It is time for us to be angry about what is going on in this world. It is also time to realize that it is way beyond our scope of control and that we must go to him who is able, and that's God. The Lord God is the one that brings judgment upon us, right? And if we will turn around, Trust me, I can show you lots of instances where God did not bring the judgment. I realize no matter how good I try to be, I'm not even close to being perfect. My attitude could get me in trouble in a New York second. And I know that it's easy for me to sin and not even really realize it at the time thinking I have righteous indignation. For some time now, I've been telling people that how we should approach God is by doing what 2 Chronicles 7, 13, and 14 tells us. I try to pray that every night. I'm realizing that I need to truthfully and completely pray from my heart and my soul. I feel that all of us who are his children must be seriously and humbly praying and seeking his face, asking for God's forgiveness and guidance, and that he will stop our enemies. David also in Psalm 71, uh, starting at uh, to a uh, 12-14, 12 through 14. O oh God, do not be far from me, O oh my God. Make haste to help me. Let them be confounded and consumed who are adversaries of my life. And trust me, these people that are trying to destroy us are adversaries of our lives. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor who will seek my hurt. But I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. I believe that we can turn this back to God's glory. We can repent and turn back to God, okay, before God finally has enough and comes back on that great and terrible day. Can't we? Of course we can. Over and over and over, our Father God tries to bring us back into the fold. Jeremiah 27, 13, he says... Why will you die, you and your people, by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence, as the Lord has spoken against the nation that will not serve the king of Babylon? Ezekiel 18.30, therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, says the Lord God, repent and turn from all your iniquities so that iniquity will not be your ruin. And in 11 he says, Say to them, As I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways, for why should you die, O house of Israel? So why should we die when we can live with God?